My biggest fear, or I think my biggest risk for the business, is that we overstretch and we try to attack all sides of this massive market at once. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Media Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Benjamin, reporter for the Media Leader, and as you can tell by my accent, I'm an American, more specifically a Chicagoan. Have you ever wanted to move to America or know what it's like to live inside the large, frenetic media environment it plays host to? Clearly, I didn't because I moved to London a year ago. But our guests today both did recently make the move across the pond to the Big Apple, and they're eager to share what they feel is different about the media industry stateside as compared to the UK. Wayne Bloodwell is the founder and CEO of digital advertising consultancy TPA Digital, formerly known as the Programmatic Advisory, as well as a podcast host in his own right for The Ad Pod. His new monthly column for The Media Leader, An Englishman in New York, debuted in February. And Amy Williams is the founder and CEO of purpose-powered ad platform Goodloop, which she began in 2016 to help brands do charitable work at scale. Wayne, uh, if you could just talk a little bit about how the adjustment has been for you settling into New York. Uh, you've mentioned to me that, that you've been uh, in town for a few years now. Yeah, I, I moved over in January 2020. And so, you know, if you time that towards the pandemic, it was pretty poor timing to move. But, you know, in the grand scheme, grand scheme of everything, that uh, could have been worse. So, yeah, it's been strange adjusting to life here because of the pandemic. So, you know, I thought I'd move here. I lived in Manhattan and thought I'd just be, you know, in meetings all day, every day, which kind of happened in the first month. But then I went back to the UK, you had to go back to the UK for lockdown. You know, people are still adjusting to like what the work from home versus work from the city is. Um, I think specifically Manhattan is quite similar to London in that sense. Um, big cities, people, you know, have moved, some of them moved outside of the city during the pandemic. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely been the sort of work-life balance has been interesting. Um, but then, you know, I guess just sort of more practically getting used to the culture, the ways of working, getting around the town, <laughs> the city has been crazy, like getting used to the subway and that kind of thing. So yeah, some, some adjustments uh, and definitely more different than I expected. Um, but all in all, like it's super enjoyable getting to know like a new city and new ways of working. Mm. I was in New York for about six months before I came into the UK, and uh, that is a very difficult subway system to master, I, uh, especially compared to the tube here. So uh, I definitely sympathize. Um, Amy, how have you found the media environment to be in the US? Uh, have there been differences that have stood out to you? So I'm a bit more fresh off the boat than Wayne. I got here a month ago, so I'm still finding my feet I reckon but one thing I've definitely noticed about the industry here is that there is such a a, a wealth of like activity I've definitely got this sense everybody is it, it perhaps is more a, yeah a, a reaction to the pandemic to Wayne's point but everybody is excited to be back there is this real palpable sense of you know stuff going on and uh, events to attend and everybody's happy to 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 meet up in a way that um I get so much energy from from being around people and I've just found that there's just no end of amazing opportunities to network and and to meet people and also a real sense of um being welcome if everyone I've messaged has been so happy to to go for a coffee and offer offer a helping hand so um yeah I'm really enjoying it has, has that been different at all from your time in the UK? 
Um, I, I guess it's only different in the sense that I am more at the mercy of other people's kindness here. I have friends and I have a network and I have colleagues in the UK. I, I, I have a bit more, I don't know, social capital. <laughs> Whereas you move here and you, you are at the mercy of, of people's kindness. You have to just ask for favors, ask for help, ask for advice. And, um, and it's quite a humbling experience, but it also, it's, it's a great way to, to hear a million new perspectives and also develop a very strong caffeine addiction. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say, i was gonna say I, I i totally align with that as well i mean you know in the uk people move jobs you move jobs you build up just a network over time and then when i came here for the, from day one i was just you know sending emails trying to meet people but you go from knowing hundreds of people to about six so yeah. so <laughs> i really you have to really put i've had to really consciously put the effort in to make sure that yeah. i go to everything i can go to and don't mm. take any of it for granted because in the UK you can just send a WhatsApp message and people will just turn up and you're there. Whereas here it's like it's you have to be a bit more um, sort of focused and considered, considered, I guess, to try and like you know make sure you're getting out there and meeting yeah. people. The uh, yeah. the hundreds of people to six is so accurate. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel, and I feel like I'm messaging those six people all the time. <laughs> yeah, same. same. They must be sick of me. <laughs> Wayne, uh, in your first column, you, you wrote for us that the ad experience in the U.S. is, quote unquote, terrible. Uh, you continued by saying, quote, the volume of advertising in the U.S. is unbelievable and the actual ads themselves are on a vast spectrum of quality. Can you tell me what effect has that higher ad volume had on you, especially if, as you say, some of the quality has been uh, poor? Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just annoying, really, more than anything. Like as a consumer of someone who actually likes likes to watch ads, um, I mean, just to qualify that, just a couple of examples. Like for example, I live in New Jersey. I land, I fly into Newark Airport. When you come out the airport, there's lots of out of home ads, and they're all like, you know, one eight hundred lawyer. Like they're quite aggressive. Like sue this person or sue this person. Um, similarly with like when it's when you're going through the sort of voting season the political category here is so big um, mm. but the advertising is so aggressive so I saw one ad for like a local candidate who had CCTV coverage of their competitor and said this person is a fraud do not vote for this person <laughs> like and it's like really aggressive um, and then I guess you know and, and pharmaceutical obviously is a big category worldwide but especially in the US and uh, you look at a product and the terms and conditions, like you'll be eating your dinner. And it's like, do not take this because you might suffer from X, Y, Z, extreme like illness, essentially. And just, so things like that just feel, um, yeah, quite, it's quite aggressive. And it's just, it's just like everywhere you go, it just adds. Mm. I would say the digital experience is a bit better. Um, but I find like TV advertising and like so the out of home just because of the, I think the nature of trying to, get cut through it's just it just seems to be quite aggressive mm. it's one of those things that that i take for granted as as an expat in the uk that the ad experience here does not have any of that and the times when i have gone back home maybe it's during or around uh, like a local election season um i'm always shocked by the sheer number of those types of ads in particular and yet it is uh, a bit jarring to be told all the different ways that that a medicine could could harm you <laughs> yeah. technically could harm you but but hopefully doesn't um amy do you agree with wayne's assessment based on on the month that you've spent in the states so far 
I agree uh, on a on a personal level for sure. Uh, the experience of advertising is 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 much more um, overt and present. But um, from a professional point of view, I've been speaking with clients pretty much on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, so you know, goodly we really focus on helping brands do good at scale. So I've been having a lot of very uplifting and positive conversations, seeing how much big business here is invested in making a change on um, diversity, equity and inclusion, or how much the, the, the corporate landscape in America is starting to think about sustainability and, and, and civic responsibility. I'd say that the... Um, the representation of of like the uh, African American experience, for instance, is something that every big business is talking about in their advertising as well as in their media buying. You know, making sure that they're investing in in many cases. You know, MediaCom, for instance, have committed, uh, sorry, Group M have committed to two percent of their media spend across the U.S. going to multicultural, ethnically diverse, or minority group owned um, media platforms. So making those commitments has uh, has changed the way that they're thinking about the, the, the ads they're buying. And I was just two weeks ago, I was at the launch of AdNet Zero in America. Um, so, you know, some of the biggest holding companies, some of the big CPG brands are, are the, the founding signatories of this AdNet Zero commitment where we're all working to decarbonize the ad industry. So... I think there's some really, really positive stuff happening in in the American um, industry, and and I'm feel, feeling a real sense of momentum, which is really exciting. Mm. If you could have uh, just one word to sort of describe the experience you've had so far, what what would you what would that word be? Uh, on, honestly, the word that immediately came to mind is overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of opportunity and. That is exciting and overwhelming in equal measure. I'm very conscious that, you know, in the UK, Goodloop has a, a large sales team and, and we've got good reach and, and good capacity to, to take advantage of the market. Here, there's me and three other salespeople. And my biggest fear, or I think my biggest risk for the business is that we overstretch and we we try to attack all sides of this massive market at once. So feeling a little bit overwhelmed and I'm feeling very conscious that we need to be ruthlessly focused. Mm. That, that bigness is something that you hit on in your piece as well, Wayne. Um, you also added though, not only is it big, but it's also a very complex environment. Um, could you expand on that a little bit more for us? Yeah, I think the, uh, the opportunity is just incredible. Like you start to map out where can you, you know, what types of clients can you work with? Where do they exist? What do you do for them? You end up with like a long old list of things that you, you know and companies you could work with, um, but then it's figuring out, you know, who are their agencies, um, like who do they work with? Because you know in the UK, you know, we'll be familiar with who those are, who has which accounts. Whereas here, like the independent agency landscape is massive. There's like there's tons of them everywhere. In the UK, you have a handful of hubs, so like pretty much like Brighton, London, Leeds, Manchester, Edinburgh. Whereas here, it's basically a state by state. And sometimes in one state, there's three. So you're trying to work out like geolocation-wise, like where people are based. Um, and then there's the media market as well, as in you know, the actual content producers. So there's so many you know, media companies that exist here which don't exist in the UK or, or have only started to go there. So like Hulu, Roku, Peacock, you know, NBC, 
Disney Plus, like whatever it might be, there's tons. So you're just trying to like build up this sort of mental map of like a the the, the brands and what they do because some of them will just be domestic and US only, who you've never heard of, but happen to spend millions and millions in like farmers insurance or something. <laughs> then you're trying to then you're trying to map out their service providers and, and those. And then you kind of go all the tech and the media. So um, it's it just becomes, it's just a much bigger map, you know, literally and figuratively than it is in the UK, um, which is where I like, exactly agree with Amy's point is like ruthlessly focused is so key. Otherwise you spend all day just going right like just just uh going about your business trying to find what you can as opposed to being super targeted and and more efficient with your time has the i mean you mentioned it a little bit already amy but has has the sort of largeness and the complexity uh affected good loop strategy as well in the u.s i mean you mentioned there's a small team out there what have you guys been doing a little bit differently in the u.s as opposed to uh, how you started in the uk so um, an example is we ran a came we ran a campaign recently with the NFL. The NFL, uh, obviously, very specific to this market, but also a huge brand, huge communication budget, huge opportunity from a marketing perspective, and also big donors. The NFL give a lot of money to some really really good causes. Um, they focus a lot on. Uh, funding and representing Hispanic communities. They focus a lot on getting young people into sport in a healthy and safe way. They focus a lot on um, mental health and wellness and rehabilitation. It obviously had a lot of um, controversy with with you know players getting concussed and, and 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 the dangers of the sport. So there's there's this tapestry of 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 really exciting and interesting social work that the NFL do. We've been thinking, well, how can we talk to clients like that in a space where not everyone else is trying to talk to them. I went to Adweek, New York, um, in October this year, and it was, I mean, I'm going to use the word again, overwhelming. It was so many, there's so many companies trying to talk to all the brands at the same time. It's, it felt impossible to get our small voice heard. So rather than going to Adweek and talking to the CMO of the NFL at Adweek, how can we go to a small niche sports conference and be the only marketing company at the sports conference. So that's the sort of framing of some of the strategies that we're trying to take um, take up is be a bigger voice in smaller ponds. Um, a bigger, bigger fit. I've mixed my metaphors there. A bigger fish in smaller ponds <laughs> um, within within this this huge, huge, huge sort of pool of opportunity. Have either of you um, spent any time outside of the sort of tri-state area or New York uh, City area more, more broadly? Uh, have you gotten out to see the country at all or, or work with clients outside of New York? Uh, I know uh, I'm from the Midwest, so so I'm always looking for uh, areas where the Midwest can be represented a little bit more, for instance. Uh, have you guys talked to, to the clients out there? Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've traveled a bit. The, the thing which was quite staggering for me is... I get why half of Americans don't have a passport because <laughs> there's so much to do state to state. So like I went to Washington, DC. Uh, I've been to like San Francisco multiple times for clients, uh, Philadelphia, um, went to Maine. You go to all these places, which you'd never go as like a UK person really. And they're so different from one another, like these different sort of, these different places you go to. So I always really enjoy going to somewhere different with a client because 
it feels like going from the UK to Italy or UK to like Spain. <laughs> it feels like it can be like, even though you're speaking most of the time a similar language, it feels very different. And so, yeah, I, I always try as much as I can to do, to fly or, or, or to get somewhere by train, whatever it might be. And also like domestic travel in the US, the infrastructure is incredible. I mean, like you can travel about like five hours and just jump relatively easy into like a bus or a train. Whereas in the, in the UK, if you want to get somewhere, it feels like it takes longer, particularly internationally. Um, so yeah. I'm always- surprised to hear you say that, honestly, uh, because I feel like that's one of the big complaints about whenever I talk to American friends is that like, if they want to get just from, you know, Chicago to New York, it's going to be a, a, a flight rather than a, a really long train ride, let's say, just because things are so spread out. But I might have to tell Pete Buttigieg, uh, recent controversies aside, that maybe he's done a little bit better of a job recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd like to end quickly with a few rapid fire questions that are specific to New York City. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll hit you with, with both of the, with, with, I will hit you both with those. Uh, so first, what is the best place that you found to have a work meeting anywhere in New York with or without alcohol? So I've recently joined Chief, which is a, a women-only members club. They've got a clubhouse in Flatiron. Um, and I, I can't work out if I've joined a members club or a cult. I got sent a, a branded jumper straight away I've got like a chief jumper now and I've had a few people reach out and be like oh my god you're in you're in the club (laughs) but um but it's definitely it's it's a network where some of the most impressive leaders um female leaders across the city have have gathered together to lift each other up and and be useful to one another I've already met some incredible people through it and um and I've definitely noticed that people are excited to to go and check out the clubhouse. So I uh, I often like to offer people. It's also really fun inviting male colleagues because it's just such a fun flip on the old boys club to have one of my male colleagues be invited into my women only club. <laughs> it's a it's a good little um yeah, power play. <laughs> Get them on the back foot if I need to ask them some tough questions. I think I think mine would be um Grand Central. So because so many people are now commuting in and out of the city, it's just a very convenient place to go. And every time I go there, it's almost unbelievable. It's a train station. Like there's just it's the the kind of the architecture is incredible. Um, so yeah, there's some good coffee places around there. Have you mm. been to the secret tennis court in the in Grand Central Station? I I have. Yeah, one Vanderbilt. Yeah, I actually um my partner has lessons there. So yeah, oh it's, my it's, God. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It's unbelievable. So that's cool. there. It's amazing. So cool. I went, I, one of my touristy things I've done since I got here, I went on a secrets of grand central tour. So oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a fountain of knowledge about grand central <laughs> if you need. <laughs> what would you guys say is the best place in New York to have an office? Uh, and do you even need a big office in the middle of the city? Let's say. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna skew to my experience, but I love Bryant Park. Like it's an amazing you've got a real nice mix of um like office based work, but also like the park itself is incredible to go for a coffee and things. And so yeah, we don't have an office, we use flexible working uh through WeWork. Um which by the way is absolutely huge here. If you search for a WeWork in Manhattan, there's one like every turn of every corner. Um so yeah, we find that super convenient. So yeah, Bryant Park and a WeWork is good for us. 
So we have a couple of desks in our investors office. So um, Brand Tech Group are an investor in Goodloop and have given us a couple of um, office, um, a bit of office space in their beautiful office in, in Soho. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy us to Soho because it's pretty fucking awesome. And there's loads of beautiful coffee shops and restaurants for hosting clients. I love it. Mm. Last question. One piece of advice you wish someone gave you before you made the move to New York. Wayne, we can start with you. I mean, the, the immediate thing is I just wish I understood the visa process better. Uh, my immediate thought was that was way more challenging and longer than I expected. So yeah, I wish somebody had sat me down and go, this is how long it's going to take and how much is it going to cost you. Uh, yeah, that's probably the, the one bit of advice I wish I had first. Yeah, it took a lot longer than I thought. I was planning to be here in the summer and I only moved here in January. So um, I can relate to that one. And that, and the period in between where you've submitted your visa, you're packing up your stuff. I mean, I, I gave notice on my flat. So there was a full four months where I was just living at my in-laws, <laughs> waiting for my visa. It's uh, it's purgatory. Um, I, I, I So yeah, I agree with your point, Wayne. I, I guess... One thing I, I think I figured out after a month that I probably could have done with just knowing straight out the gate is how to how to articulate it. Like, I, there's, there's an openness to the transaction of business here. Like, people know the deal. You're going to meet them. You want something. Tell them what it is you want. Tell them why you want it. Tell them why it's useful to them. And then they will honestly tell you if they're interested or not. You know, there's less skirting around, there's less polite small talk. And I think I am so, so English. <laughs> and I love a bit of polite small talk. And actually, I've learned in this month to be a bit bolder, a bit clearer, and a bit simpler in the way that I conduct business. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a cultural nuance that I've like kind of enjoyed learning about and and actually I think it's gonna it's gonna be something I carry with me a confidence to be clear and have gravitas and to be concise well very good thank you guys both so much for for chatting with me about this it's, it's a little slice of home for me just to hear how your experiences are going so I really appreciate it and I wish you guys both the best going forward as well thanks Jack no worries thank you very much Thanks again for listening to the Media Leader Podcast. And there's more of where that came from on our website. The-media-leader.com is our website. You can sign up to our daily newsletter in the UK and weekly roundup of media in the US. You can also find us on YouTube where we are posting video interviews and clips from our live events. Our LinkedIn page where people like to comment on the things that we're posting. And Twitter where all our stuff is pretty much pumped out like a beautiful fountain of media industry content. That's it. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.